Well, it's good to be with you tonight. Uh, uh, and I just want to say thank you for, on behalf of the Mail Baptist Association, for your generosity in letting us uh, have a, a portion of your, your one of your buildings uh, to have an office space for now a number of years. And just to also let you know that we have uh, vacated that building now. We have our own office building on 817 North Central, just three blocks away, uh, and uh, stop by sometime and see it. We had our dedication service this afternoon, uh, had a, a, a good number of people to show up for that and uh, uh, to dedicate that to the Lord. So thank you very much for your generosity. Thank you for your support of the association, both through your uh, participation in the events of the association, uh, your prayer support, most of all, as well as, of course, your financial support. Uh, we, we appreciate it very much. Turn with me, if you would, to, uh, if, uh, to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. I want to begin reading uh, in, really in the midst, uh, in the middle of something, and we'll, we'll come back and, and set the context in just a little bit. Uh, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 25. Of this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God or, the, or the, uh, uh, the plan of God, bestowed on me for your benefit so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifest in his saints, to whom God will to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of, of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose also I labor, striving, in, uh, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. You know the story of the, of the Apostle Paul, who was known as Saul before he became Paul. Saul, a, a good Jew, uh, a, a very religious Jew, a very devout Jew, a very um, uh, a, a man that was steeped in, in Jewish uh, religion and, and religious tradition uh, and actually was a up-and-coming uh, potential rabbi, had sat at the feet of Gamaliel, uh, one of the main teachers of that day, uh, and uh, was zealous for God uh, from all indications uh, by his own testimony as by the, and by the reports that we, we have. He, he was zealous for God. He wanted to be a follower of God in every, every sense of the word. And uh, he, you know the story of how uh, he was actually a part of uh, uh, the stoning of Stephen and how he held the cloaks of those, the outer garments of those that stoned Stephen. Um, and I think by his own testimony, again, uh, what an impact that had and, and seeing Stephen uh, as, as he was being stoned and yet uh, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ to his fellow, uh, to his fellow Jews. Uh, and and Paul became, Saul became so zealous for, uh, for the Jewishness and for the Jewish religion that he viewed those who had become followers of Jesus as, as, as 
uh, as it were, um, uh, enemies, as it were, those who were uh, contaminating uh, the, the, the Jewish religion. And uh, he uh, turned many of those Christians, followers of Jesus in and, and um, had them arrested and they were tried and some of them met the same fate that Stephen had met. And then he became so zealous for God, he wanted to be, as it were, a foreign missionary. And so he, re he got letters from the, the Jewish leaders to go up to Damascus to find the, the followers of the way up there and to arrest them and, and take them by force and bring them back to Jerusalem, likely to face the same fate that Stephen had, had faced. And yet God had other plans for him. For you see, on that road to Damascus, he came face to face with Jesus, with the risen Lord, and saw and heard a voice and lost his sight as a result of the, the blinding light, and it changed his entire life. He ceased to be Saul and became Paul. He ceased to be a persecutor of the way and became a follower of the way. He he. He took upon himself uh, at, that, at that moment the, the uh, calling that Christ placed upon his life to be an apostle to the Gentiles, to preach the good news of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world of, of his day. And it probably, other than Jesus himself, of course, he's, he's the greatest missionary that has ever lived. Uh, as he had a burning desire to go to those places to preach to people that had never heard the gospel. Uh, and so the apostle Paul understood what it meant to be on mission with God. His life was radically changed and he came to that place of being on mission with God and following God's, and you read the, the acts and you read his letters and you realize that there are times he wanted to go to a certain area and, as it, and, and he, he says that the, the Holy Spirit prohibited him from going or he got a call to go to Macedonia to come over and to help them there to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. He was on mission with God I want to say to you this, this afternoon that every one of us is on mission with God. You see, the, the, really the basis of this message is that be, since you have come to faith in Christ just like the Apostle Paul, not in the same maybe dramatic way, but because we have put our faith in him, because we've come into that relationship with, with Jesus as our Savior and Lord, because we have committed our lives to him, because he, we've made him the master of our life, because we have become a follower of the way, because we have taken up our, or denied ourselves and taken up our cross and daily following Christ, we are on mission with God. God has sovereignly placed us in our families, in our, uh, on our jobs if we're still working, uh, in, our, in our neighborhood. It's not a mistake that you live where you live. He's sovereignly placed you as a member of First Baptist Church of Tifton, Georgia. He sovereignly placed you in your community to be on mission with him. God expects every one of us to be on mission with him. Now, we'll not, probably not ever be like the Apostle Paul in the extent of our, our mission, but God expects us to be on mission with him. 
for, for God to take uh, uh, two people like my wife and I from a basically humble uh, uh, background, uh, uh, never having a worldview other than the little world that we knew to take us and to, to have us to go all over the world to share the good news of Jesus Christ means that God wants every one of us to be on mission. We're a testimony of that. We're a testimony of the fact that, that God wants us to be on mission. In fact, this scripture really came to, to light for me. It, it just popped out at me when we were challenged in uh, orientation at Callaway Gardens when we were being oriented uh, to go overseas to be your Baptist representatives in Israel with the uh, then Foreign Mission Board, now International Mission Board. And, and uh, we were challenged to, uh, to search, uh, 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 to ask God to give us a scripture that would kind of be our guide for, for the ministry. And this is the scripture that God gave uh, me at that time. Uh, little did I understand what all that would mean. Uh, but particularly those, those two verses as we the last two verses of chapter one, as we think about Paul being on mission with God and the fact that we're to be on mission with God, I think it explains to us what it means to be on mission with God. Let's look at that, those two scriptures again in Colossians 1, verses 28 and 29. We proclaim him, of course, Christ, uh, who is our whole, only hope of glory. Uh, that's the only hope we have, folks, is Jesus Christ. We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose, because of the purpose of proclaiming Christ, we I also I labor, striving according to his power, which works mightily within me. I think in those two verses, we have what it means to be on mission with God. First of all, I want us to look at the subject of our mission. Who is the subject of our mission or what is the subject of our mission? Well, of course, it's Jesus Christ. We proclaim Christ. Who is this Christ? We'll look back in, in chapter 1 and you'll see who this Christ is. Verse 15. I'm sorry, verse 13. For he, uh, talking about God in this particular, for he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son, Jesus Christ, to whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He, Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold, to, hold together. He is also head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. That's who Christ is. He, he is above all. He is, he, is, he is the essence of our only hope, the only hope that we have. Uh, in Acts chapter 4 and, and verse, uh, thir uh, verse 12, it says, And there is salvation in no, no one else, for there is uh, no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. It's Jesus and Jesus only that we proclaim. 
It's not Jesus plus anything else. It's not Jesus in works. It's not Jesus. It's what Jesus did for us on the cross as he gave himself a sacrifice to pay the penalty that every one of us should pay for our sins, which is death and separation from God. Jesus paid that penalty for you and for me and for the entire world. And that's, that's who we proclaim. And that's the gospel we, we proclaim. Paul said it in another way in, in uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. For I delivered to you, talking to the Corinthians, to the Christians there, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. After that he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and to the other apostles. And of course, Paul says, and last of all, he appeared to me. That's the essence of the gospel, that according to the scriptures, Jesus uh, was born. Uh, the promised Messiah had come. The, the promised Messiah from the Old Testament that had the prophecies about the, new, uh, about the, the Messiah coming were fulfilled in Jesus of Nazareth. He was born in that stable in, in, in Bethlehem. He, 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 he grew up in, Na in Nazareth and was subject to his parents. He, he began his ministry when he was 30 years old and was baptized by John. He lived uh, and, and even his life was a fulfillment of scripture. And then it says, according to the scriptures, he was, he was crucified and buried. And then according to the scriptures, he was raised again on the third day. That's the essence of the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus Christ that we proclaim. We, that's the subject of our mission is Jesus Christ. We don't have any other subject if we're going to be on mission with him. Now let's look at the scope of our mission. Do you see what, back in verse uh, 28, do you see what it says that we proclaim him admonishing every man and teaching every man that we, uh, uh, teaching every man uh, with all wisdom so that we may present every man perfect in Christ. Now, Three, three times in one verse, he, he says, every man. What does that say to us? Every man. The, the scope of our mission to, is to every person. That's why I say to you that God has sovereignly placed you in your sphere of influence for you to be on mission with him, for you to be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ through your lifestyle, but as well as a verbal witness uh, of, of sharing good, the good news of Jesus Christ, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The scope of our mission is to every man, without exception. We're to, we're to what? Go into all the world. As we're going, we're to do make disciples of all nations, all people groups. That's the scope of our mission. For God so loved who? The world, every person that he gave his only begotten son. The scope of our mission is to every person. And then what's the method of our mission? Well, there are three parts of this that are part of this method, method. it's a fourfold method, but I'm adding a, a fourth and, and it's based on the Apostle Paul and, and his lifestyle and his, what we see from his lifestyle uh, and, and that's revealed in the letters. Go back up to, uh, to verse, um, uh, let's see, uh, let me look and see which verse I wanna start with. Uh, look in verse nine of chapter one. Um, 
Epaphras had come and reported on what was going on at Colossae. And so here's what Paul says. For this reason, because we heard, uh, really says, because we've heard of their, their, your faith, hope, and love. He says, for this reason, also since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in their heritage of, of, of the saints in light. Paul prayed. In almost every one of Paul's letters, there is a prayer for those people. The apostle Paul was a man of prayer. He asked many times for them to pray for him. He was a man of prayer. So I'm saying to you that even though it's not in, in these two particular verses, the context, the, the, the truth is that, that the method of our mission is we need to bathe it in prayer. We need to be people of prayer. Uh, I have another sermon that I preach on, on that particular passage of scripture, that prayer. And, I, and the challenge I give is that every person in the church ought to be praying that for one another. What would happen if we would pray that every person, every member of the church would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding? Praying that we would please him in all, all aspects. Praying that we would live according to his perspective. Praying that we would live by his power and not our power. What might God do? And that's what the Apostle Paul did. Prayer was a vital part of that method of being on mission with him. And it's a, it has to be a vital part of ours. We can't be on mission with God in our own strength and power. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. We can't be on mission with God without that, that, that source of praying and seeking God and seeking his will and seeking his purpose and, and seeking his will for that neighbor that we know doesn't know Christ as Lord and Savior. How do we enter into, into a, a, a relationship with him? How do we enter into conversation with him? Well, we bathe it in prayer. We begin praying for them by name, praying for their salvation and praying for that opportunity to be able to share Jesus Christ with them. Prayer is a vital part of the method of our mission. And then he says, proclaiming. This, this is the word to announce. It's also the word used many times for preaching. But it really is, is an announcement. Now, some of you say, well, I'm not a preacher. Some of you say, well, I really don't know, I don't know how to share my faith with someone. Well, can't you announce the good news of Jesus Christ? Jesus died on the cross for you. That's an announcement. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's an announcement of the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what we're to do. We're to proclaim Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world, to those that, uh, that God sends in our path and to those that we go and seek out. We're to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We're to proclaim, we're to announce, we're to, to tell thoroughly the message of salvation. That's what it means to be on mission with him. And then we're to admonish one another. We're to admonish. Admonish is, is uh, it's, it means a warning to set a person's mind in proper order by correcting him. It's training by, by word, whether of encouragement or by reproof. It really has two aspects. It could be, it could be a warning, it could be a, a correction, 
or it could be an encouragement. There are times that we need to be admonished to be corrected. We need, we need preachers and teachers that will preach God's word to correct us when we're, we're doing wrong things, when we're, to correct us when we're going a, a way that we shouldn't be going. But we also need that encouragement. That's the purpose of being together like this on Sunday morning, Sunday night, to worship God, to be encouraged so that we will have that strength we need to go out into the mission field as we leave these doors to be on mission with God outside these doors. Uh, admonishing. Um, I know John likes this verse, and it, it's a great verse. John uh, Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom. Listen now, teaching and admonishing, that same word. Correcting and warning. Teaching and admonishing one another with what? Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Why do you sing? Well, that's just what we've always done in church. Well, that's a good, that's a reason, but I don't know that's the best reason. It ought to be that we would be admonished. We would be corrected when we need to be corrected. We would be encouraged when we need encouragement by singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That's a part of worship. That's a part of what God would have us to do with one another as we admonish and encourage one another to live out the life that God would have us to live. And then the fourth, fourth part of the method is teaching. Teaching, you know, it's interesting that he wants us to disciple. He wants us to, he wants us to, to, to be disciplers, to, to be those that, that disciple others to help them to become all that God wants them to become, to be able to be what God wants them to become, that they can be people that are, that are, are, are in God's word and they're praying, they understand the importance of praying, they, uh, they understand the importance of being on mission with God. That's a part of what we're to be doing and teaching. That's why you have a pastor. That's why we have Sunday school. That's why we have Wednesday night to be taught to, to, to help us to become all that God wants us to become. It's also part of the, what we call the Great Commission. He said we're to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Doing what? Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. That's a part of our responsibility to teach one another to encourage one another, to admonish one another. So the method uh, of our mission is praying and proclaiming and admonishing and teaching. Now, what's the goal of our mission? If we're to be on mission with God, he says, we proclaim him admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom that we may present every man complete or perfect. King James has perfect in Christ, complete. It's a finished product. You see, the goal of our, our, of our mission is to, is to disciple others so that they can be the mature followers of Jesus Christ that God would have. I don't, I'm, I'm, my dad was a bit of a carpenter. Um, his, his dad was a carpenter. So, I, you know, I observed him. He built the house I grew, I, I grew up in. Um, lived there for 18 years, uh, first 18 years of my life. He built it in 1940. I was born in uh, 1944. Uh, and so, uh, uh, as far as I know, it's still standing today. But he built that with his own hands. He was, he was a carpenter. And I got a little bit of that, uh, not very good. But I, I, I do like to do things. I'm not good at it. 
but I, I've built a few bookcases and shelves and things like that where they don't always turn out exactly right. I may not have the squarest corners and I may not, but, but it's functional. But I love to see the finished product. You know, we as pastors, we don't always get to see the finished product. But the goal is that we would be, we would be putting people in a position that they can be complete in Christ so that they can grow and mature. If God, if you're still, you're, you're still breathing and your heart's still beating, God's not finished with you yet. He's still at work in your life. He wants to continue to mature you and help you to become all that God would have you to become. Uh, I found a definition of, of maturity that um, may help you. It's from uh, Harold Sanger in his uh, commentary, Colossians, Christ Above All. He says this. Now, you're going, I'm going to read it twice because you need to think about this. Christian maturity would be to develop as a child of God to the point where one could do what he wished and find at the same time that it was the will of God. Christian maturity would be to develop as a child of God to the point where one could do what he wished and find at the same time that it was the will of God. You see, God wants us to be in, in that intimate, personal relationship with him in God's word on a daily basis, praying, studying, growing, maturing, so that, that his purpose becomes our purpose, his direction becomes our direction, his words become ours, his will becomes ours, his, his, uh, uh, his, his plan becomes our plan, his mission becomes our mission, his, 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 uh, uh, his direction becomes our direction, and on and on. That's what God desires for us. And so we, 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 if we're mature, we come to that place where we can do what we want to do because we're so saturated with Jesus Christ and with his word and his purpose and his direction. We can do what we want to do, and but we're going to find it's the will of God. That's what God desires of us. That's what it means to be on mission with God, to, to help people to grow to that place of being mature in Christ, being full grown in Christ, the completed project, as it were, the completed product, as it were. Now, I know that we're going to be uh, transformed in heaven to become all that God wants us to be there, but that's the process he started down here on earth for us to become a mature in Christ. So the goal of our mission is to present every man perfect in Christ. Now, what's the success of our mission? It's always good to know what, 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 what would be success when we're on a mission. Look what it says. He says, um, he says the, our, our, that our, our, our mission the success of our mission depends upon depending on the Lord. <laughs> Look what it says in verse 29. For this purpose also, I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. It's interesting. There are four words in the Greek used there. I won't go uh, into all, all that. But, but there are four words, and in, in it's, it's labor, striving, uh, working, and power. Uh, it, it, 
He uses four words in that little sentence that all talk about working hard. In, for, in fact, laboring means to labor till you're exhausted, laboring till, till you sweat, as it were. Um, I can identify with that, uh, having dealt with uh, this new building that we bought and uh, uh, trying to get it, it ready for our dedication today. Striving means agonizing, agonizing, where you really have to work hard at it. But it's not just us doing it in our own strength. It's, it's us laboring for this purpose. I labor striving, but according to what? To his power, which mightily works within me. It, it's, 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 it's a partnership where we work hard at depending upon the Holy Spirit to do the work, as it were. You see, I don't know about you, I've been a follower of Christ since I was eight years old. I'm now 72, will soon be 73. It took me about, let's see, um, about 25 years or more to come to the place to realize I can't be what God wants me to be in my own strength. And I tried. I tried hard at it. But I came to the conclusion I couldn't, I couldn't do it in my own strength. I couldn't be the pastor that God wanted me to be in my own strength. And you can't be what God wants you to be in your own strength either. Some of you have tried it for a number of years. That's what he's talking about here. He's talking about working hard at being a follower of Jesus, working hard at being on mission with him, even to the point of exhaustion of, of the sweat of our brows, it were, but doing it in the power that, that is working within us. You see, you, that moment you put your trust in Christ as Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit, God himself in the form of his spirit came to dwell within you to help you to be your helper, to be, help, be your counselor, to be your guide, to be your, the one called along beside you to help you in this, this, this walk with God. And we can be on mission with God with the full assurance that we're not in this by ourselves. We're going to have to work hard at it if we're going to be doing what God wants us to do. But in, my dad always said, anything worthwhile is, uh, is going to take some effort. It's going to take some effort to do it. It's the same thing with a Christian life. We can't coast in the Christian life. We can't, we can't just uh, do the bare minimum. That's not what God has called us to do. That's not the mission that he has for us. That's not what, that's not what Christ demands of us. He, de he demands denying ourselves and, and dying daily to, to being crucified with Christ so that we can follow him and be all that he wants us to be. Being on mission with God demands that we, we work. I work agonizing to the point of exhaustion according to the energy which he powerfully energizes in me. Another way of saying it is to this end, I labor struggling with all his energy which so powerfully works in me. That's what it means to be on mission. To be able to Proclaim Christ, admonishing and teaching every man with all wisdom that we may present every man completing Christ. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. And so I ask you tonight, are you on mission according to what God's word says? 
the example of the Apostle Paul, but more particularly God's inspired word that is given to us for our instruction to conform us into the image of Jesus Christ. Are we on mission with him? Do we understand the mission that he's given to us? If not, why not? The world in which we live today demands that we be on mission with him. There's a lost world out there. We got to McDonald's fairly quickly after preaching this morning at Calvary and uh, to get a quick bite before going to the new office to make sure everything was ready for the dedication service. And, and I thought to myself, I'm not sure all these people have been to church. There's plenty of people out there. And I dare say there are people that are in your sphere of influence that God's given you a mission to be on mission with him. You see, on mission with God means that you're just doing what he's already done. You're, you're, you're fulfilling what he's already established. See, it was in his heart to redeem a lost world by sending his only begotten son, by slaying his son before the foundation of the world. Are you on mission with God? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that, Lord, it, it's a challenge to us. And Lord, there's so many of us that, Lord, we want to, we also want to play at this thing called the Christian life. God, it's a serious, serious thing with you. It was in your heart before the foundation of the world to redeem mankind that you knew would rebel against you. What a great love that you have for us. God, help us as followers of you to be on mission with you, to understand that you've sovereignly placed us in a sphere of influence so that, Lord, people can hear the good news of Jesus Christ. They can not only hear it, but they can see it lived out before them. So, Father, I pray that you would help every one of us in this, in this chapel tonight to be on mission with you. And, Lord, if there are things that are hindering us from doing that, would your Holy Spirit convict us of those and that we could repent of them and we could uh, uh, turn away from them and we could confess them and, Lord, we could get on mission with you. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.